Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 200 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, and joining me on a Monday this time around is the great Scott Coleman. What's up, man? What's up, Brad? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I apologize to everybody. Little, little under the weather, not feeling great. Uh, my voice is even worse than usual, but um, I will try to power through. <laughs> and uh, yeah, 200 podcasts. That's pretty crazy. It is pretty nuts to think about 200 episodes of this podcast, and I would say the majority of them have been like 45 minutes or longer, so that's a, that's a long time of talking into microphones about the Atlanta Braves, but uh, here we are, and like Scott said, we were planning to record Sunday night late, I had a Hawks game, which means I, I could only record late, and because of where Scott lives, that made perfect sense, but then Scott was dying, so here we are on a Monday, and hopefully nothing will happen during the podcast, but I know... What's going to happen is that something's going to happen Tuesday morning, but alas, here we are. Um, (laughs) Not too much, I would say, actual news this week. There was one thing that we'll talk about in a second. Um, Ben Sestanovich, I'm going to say his name is, is now the assistant GM for the Braves. Um, He was hired about a week ago now. Um, He has a 10-year background with the Padres. I have no thoughts on this, but it actually happened. So unless you have a, a, a real take, hashtag take, on the uh, on the assistant GM hire, Scott, we could probably move along, but I wanted to say it out loud. Anyway. No, I mean, no hot take. I mean, the guy could have been my waiter at lunch today, and I'd have no idea. <laughs> um, exactly. I think, uh, you know, he, he's presumably going to be the new uh, Brian Bridges as far as the draft goes. I would imagine that will be a lot of his focus. That's, that's pretty similar to what he was doing in San Diego. Um, again, I have no information on this guy. He started as an intern and has risen to an assistant GM, so... Those stories are always cool. Um, but yeah, other than that, that's all I got. Yeah, I just wanted to at least leave with that because it did happen. I'd, I have no thoughts, but we will see what happens there. And I'm sure people that are smarter than we are um, have opinions, but I do not. Uh, the other thing that actually happened that we at least can talk about is that Charlie Culberson is back, sort of. The Braves signed Culberson to a minor league deal earlier, I guess last week as we're talking now, uh, with a spring training invite, and uh, it was reported anyway that he'll earn $1 million if he makes the club at a spring training. For me, that speaks to the lack of market that Culberson had. I know you and Eric talked about that on the last podcast about two weeks ago, um, last well, maybe a week and a half ago, the last emergency show that we did here. Uh, Mark Bowman, uh, to be fair, did note that Culberson, I'm going to quote here from Bowman, Fielded a few major league offers, none of which were significantly strong enough to forego the chance to continue playing for his hometown team, end quote. So it's at least possible that Culberson got a major league offer somewhere. I'm skeptical because, you know, 
a guaranteed major league offer is better than a non-guaranteed major league offer, but he's made some money in his career. So I guess it's not impossible. And he is, he is a sort of a local product. So, I mean, it's too early to talk about whether he'll make the team or not. Uh, obviously, you know, if you're if you were one of the fans that was really upset about this when it happened, when, when he was non-tendered, the Braves would, would have had to tender him at probably around one point eight to two million dollars, and instead they're going to get him non-guaranteed um, with up to one million dollars. So, the Braves did a good thing um, in terms of the actual contract setup. What were your thoughts on this, Scott? And you know, I, I will say I have. No problem with this whatsoever. I had no problem with the non-tender, which I never talked about on the podcast because that was you and Eric. Um, I had no problem with the non-tender, and I had no problem with this. He's certainly worth a spring training invite, and if he makes the team, $1 million is fine for him. Yeah, I was glad they brought him back. As you said, a $1 million. Um, I, I would kind of lean as of December 15th or whatever today is, December 16th, that I would lean towards him that he makes the roster instead of doesn't make the roster. Now, who knows what else is going to happen over the next few months. But for a $1 million... We talked about, you know, you and I talked about before the non-tender deadline. He didn't really come up. He really wasn't on either of our radars because the 1.8 million projected figure was so low. Um, you know, the, for the Braves to get him in a million dollars, non-guaranteed, as you said, let him come to spring training, get an invitation. It just kind of it opens up a roster spot on the 40-man roster for the Braves, I believe. Though I don't know all the specifics of contract workings, but I believe because it's a minor league deal, there might be some flexibility with his options. Um, though don't quote me on that. I didn't look into it before this. Um, so yeah, for a million dollars, he was a guy who was certainly liked around the Braves. He fills a role if, especially with the expanded rosters to 26 next year, if he's the last guy off your bench, it's really not, you can do a whole lot worse. And then you talk about what he means to the clubhouse and his versatility and in the bat, even if it's not a great one. Um, again, it's, you're not counting on him for 150 starts next year. Um, (laughs) let's hope not at least. Um, and, uh, yeah, for a million dollars, why not bring him back? See what he can do. Uh, you're really not on the hook for anything if he's just lost a step. And, and, and to be completely fair, it will be interesting to see, I mean, the first time he steps in to see live pitching after taking a ball to the face as he did in his last at bat, I mean, that, that has to mentally weigh on him, right? Like there, I don't know how much so, but there has to be some kind of, uh, PTSD from that incident. Hopefully it's not something that's going to scare him or, or end his career prematurely. Um, and, and he's obviously going to make a full recovery from it, uh, physically, but it, it is something I think to, to at least, uh, keep an eye on because the first high and inside fastball might give him a little bit of the shakes. Yeah. I mean, he'll be 31 in April. So he's not like over the hill. I think, you know, he's an, he's sort of an established veteran. And like you said, if the season started today, um, with the current roster, he would almost certainly make the team because of his versatility. They don't have a backup sort of do-it-all player like like that other than Camargo is kind of like the same um, archetype. Obviously, very different players, but archetypes are somewhat somewhat similar in that they can play everywhere. And that's the biggest versatility and, and the biggest, um, I would say, asset for Culberson is that he can play everywhere. He's not particularly great at any one thing. Um, his hitting has been overrated. The clutch stuff has been overrated by some, um, but he's someone who does bring value in that he can do a lot of things for you. And uh, of course, he is one of the better position player pitchers in the uh, major league, in the major leagues. Um, the off season of bullpen continues. <laughs> bringing, uh, <laughs> yeah, clutch back for the for the ninth inning. Exactly. I mean, it's we, we talk, I, I heard the podcast that you and that you and uh, Eric did, and I was totally fine with everything you guys said. And listen, I mean. Culberson for a million dollars is totally fine if that's what ends up happening. And also if they upgrade on him and they get somebody better and he's not the best, one of the best 25, 26 guys coming out of spring training, 
that's okay too. That's that's part of the appeal of doing a deal like this is that you don't have to keep the guy. If he's not performing well, like you said, or if he's just upgraded on somewhere else, that's okay too. So from a team standpoint, this is an unequivocal win. I know, you know, there's I saw some tweets that were kind of funny about how the Braves uh, should have done his should have done him better. And it's like, well, I guess, but no, I mean, that's not really how this works. Like, I, I do think that the Braves wanted him back, and that was kind of the reporting that was out there um, after he signed, is that the Braves always had this deal on the table, but they were going to kind of let him look for a deal, and it seems like Culberson had a week or so to go out and find a deal, and it wasn't there, and he took the safety sure. net of being in Atlanta. So, that's okay. None of, none of that is terribly surprising to me, Is I guess is the yeah. last thing I'll say about it. It's just kind of what you would expect after he was non-tendered it was like all right maybe he'll get a deal if he doesn't right away he probably doesn't have one and that's where we are well and you know it, it does save potentially about a million dollars and if if all things equal and you know at the end of the day it is a business right and uh you know if it's a million dollars and then they have to spend in the middle of the season at the trade deadline or whatever it may be i'm sure that flexibility will be nice to have but yeah glad to have charlie back and hopefully he's able to put last season behind him and and then be a contributing member next year Sounds about right. Culberson back. Culberson back. Culberson back. Tell your friends that Culberson is back. Um, all right, Scott. We're going to take a quick early break, I will say. This will be the only one on the podcast. But uh, hold on tight for a word from our sponsors. We'll come right back, talk about winter meetings and everything else that's going on on the market right now. All right, Scott. We're back. Uh, winter meetings are in the books. And uh, again, fairly quiet for the Braves. They did a lot of work more work than anybody else in the whole league, basically, before they started. So it's not a huge surprise that it was a little bit quiet for Atlanta in terms of actual deals materializing. Um, Alex Anthopoulos made some interesting comments, I thought, but nothing that was terribly shocking. I'm going to say a couple of things that he did say on the record that I will uh, get your reactions to. The first one is that they're in search of a middle-of-the-order middle bat, which is not surprising to anyone. Um, he did say, um, quote, ideally, end quote, it comes from a third base, but it could be outfield. He did say that, which I thought was at least eyebrow-raising to a certain extent. They are also prioritizing defense with the 26th roster spot. That's a spot that's now new in the way that baseball is going to be operating. They'll have sort of an extra spot on the roster. And he mentioned backup shortstop as like a pure position there. That could be um, Hechevaria, by the way, um, just as a thought bubble in my mind. And the last thing that I will uh, say before I get your response is that he said, and I'm quoting here, if we don't acquire a third baseman from the outside, Riley and Camargo would compete for third base, end quote. And he also said that the team remains, quote, very high, end quote, on both guys. So my top, th- my top thoughts on those on that stuff would be that none of that is surprising at all, but it's at least point- worth pointing out that he did say it into microphones, um, and that was... Uh, you know what he was what he was able to say even if it's not surprising when the gm speaks it is noteworthy yeah <laughs> yeah he is the king of saying a whole bunch of words without actually saying anything at all it's a skill uh, and of course, it really is i mean he, he's pretty good at it and you listen to his interview and it's like oh man he talked for 20 minutes and then you read through and it's like oh he didn't say anything um you know the, the stuff about middle of the order bat yeah no kidding um uh, whether that's donaldson or somebody else they need to go out and get it the whole thing about Riley and Camargo, yes, it is true that they could be the Braves' third baseman next year. But he also said notoriously like a week before signing Josh Donaldson last year that they were perfectly happy with Camargo at third, and then we all know what happened. So um, it was just a whole bunch of, of I don't want to say hot air from Anthopolis because he has to do those things. He has to meet with the media. Um, and, and as you said, there was some – 
I don't know if it was outrage, but some frustration that the Braves didn't do anything at the winter meetings. Oh, come um, on, they've done but, stuff all they've done stuff all winter. Like we can't we can't do this. It's so yeah, silly. Yeah. I mean, even if even after all the teams, you know, Cole signed Rendon, Strasburg, so on and so forth, all those guys, the Braves have still done at least from a uh, number a quantity perspective. Uh, they've done far more than just about everybody else. So um, stuff will happen. I promise you, Anthopolis was not sitting on the San Diego beach drinking a margarita for those four <laughs> days. Um, and, you know, it's it's just that they've kind of addressed all of their real needs other than the middle of the order bat. And hopefully they're able to make an inroads during the last week or so in San Diego and, and we get some resolution sooner than later. Yeah, and again, I mean, this is stuff that we all thought coming in. We, no one, it's not a surprise to anyone or a secret to anyone that the Braves need one more bat in the middle of the order. Um, the Donaldson spot is open, and it may be him. We'll talk about him specifically in a second, but that is no surprise. And if they're going to upgrade that spot, the other spot to do it would be the outfield. So him saying that is, again, noteworthy, but not surprising. Um, the defense thing with the last roster spot isn't a huge you know, talking point necessarily. Mark Bowman did report um, last week that they are in the market for a quote versatile veteran end quote for the bench. You know, I can already hear someone saying that's Charlie Culberson, um, but they want someone better. It, it appears <laughs> if they can. Um, they checked on Howie Kendrick reportedly before he resigned somewhere else. Um, also, Bowman reported um, that the possibility of Matt Joyce and or Adeni Echevarria coming back would not surprise him, essentially. Um, Echevarria is a one-position player, but it's a good position. Um, and obviously his defense, if they want, if they really want to go defense with that spot, he fit in well. He hit more than you would think he's going to hit when he was with the Braves this year. But they could do worse with that spot. And I think, you know, as a defensive upgrade, if they wanted to just have that insurance, because this year when Dansby went down, they didn't love the options, obviously on defense at shortstop and uh, having that to plug in was very helpful. But I mean, the bench stuff, we'll save a lot of bench talk, I think for, for, for March, because, you know, Culberson is worth talking about now because of the, uh, the news that was out there, but we just don't know what the budget is going to look like other than we know backup catcher will be there. And we know that, you know, Duvall or Marquecas or both will be there. And other than that, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. They'll, they'll find guys. I mean, they will. And, and so far it's been, I mean, if you look at the players who have signed, the only free agents who have really signed are all big dollar, big dollar guys. Usually in, in February is when you see all of the, the utility type guys sign deals for a year or two. Um, once teams kind of focus on their bigger holes. So yeah, plenty of time to figure out those those things you mentioned. For sure. Um, all right, let's pivot a little bit to the guys who are not currently on the team and some of the reporting that's been out there. Um, like I said, it's, it's been kind of quiet, I will say. Uh, Mark Bowman, who is, I think, the guy that we cite the most, and I personally will say that I, I trust the most. He's been around forever and only says things that he's pretty confident in saying. He's pretty, uh, he's not like the guy to throw around things. He doesn't tweet all that often, so when he tweets, it carries more, yeah. uh, it carries more weight, in my opinion. Um, and this is, I'm, I'm just going to read something that he wrote actually last week. Quote. They don't seem interested in trading for Cubs third baseman Chris Bryant and signing free agent outfielder Marcel Lazuna feels like it would be an only if necessary backup plan. He also reported separately that there is, quote, some doubt on whether the Braves would offer a fourth year for Josh Donaldson. So we're going to save Donaldson for his own section momentarily, but um, obviously there's been plenty of discussion about external options, be it Bryant, Nolan Arenado has uh, been posited 
Ken Rosenthal actually reported that Kyle Seager could be on the market. Jeff Passan said on Ryan Rosillo's podcast that the Braves, quote, made a run, end quote, at Anthony Rendon, which was a surprise to hear. Um, and then he also said that, that, that the Braves are still discussing Nolan Arenado, though he did say that even the Braves internally think the chances are not all that great that they'll be able to get Nolan Arenado. So where you at on all the external options? Uh, you know, trades are sometimes surprising, particularly with Anthopolis. So it, it's very possible that they, that they do something that no one ever hears about. That seems to be the MO of this front office. But of the guys who were obvious, your Bryant's, your uh, Ozuna's a free agent, but Brian Ozuna, uh, Arenado, like, do you make anything of any of those guys? I guess Kyle Seager too. Do you make anything of any of those guys as being interesting? Have you seen anything that is noteworthy that you want to shed light on? Or well, I know we're all just guessing, but anything pique your interest? You know, I got a ton of questions last week about Bryant, and and I'll say this, and who knows what the Cubs front office is actually thinking with him, but I personally just, I do not see a match between Chicago and Atlanta for, for a couple of reasons, unless the Cubs are really starting to think rebuild, which just doesn't seem like them for a team that was a couple years removed from a World Series and has some significant money owed to this year's team. You know, who who on the Braves would interest the Cubs enough for Bryant? You know, Max Freed. Well, if you trade Max Freed, what are you accomplishing, right? Like you're, you're addressing the middle of your order, but then all of a sudden you've lost maybe your second best starter on the team. Um, you know, maybe Fulton Evich would be of interest to the Cubs. But again, you're 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 kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, unless there's a scenario where you have a really good deal for a starting pitcher, which rarely happens to the point of where you could trade a Fulton Evich or a Freed in order to get a Chris Bryant, who is still in the middle of an ongoing grievance too, which is worth mentioning. So there's a very real possibility. I think most people think he's going to lose the grievance and still have two more years of contract control left. Yeah, but, that, that is the general consensus that I, I poked around a little bit and nothing nothing firm, but I will echo that. People that seem to be, you know, everybody's guessing to some degree, but most people are guessing that he will not win, which means he'll have two years sure. left, but there's at least a chance that it's only one. And I think until there's some clarity on that, I mean, why would you, I mean, for both parties, both the Cubs, I mean, the Cubs would benefit, obviously, if he has two years of control, um, and teams would have to pay significantly more for two years than one. Um, it is worth noting Brian's defense at third base has not been great the last couple of years. He's also had a couple of injuries. So it's not as if this is a risk-free proposition. He's going to make $18, $20 million this year, probably $25 million in arbitration next. So I know there's been a lot of talk, and I would certainly take Chris Bryant on the Braves. But um, for those reasons above, and I'm also just not entirely sure the Cubs are ready to – tear down or, or reimagine their roster considering where that roster is right now. I, I just don't see a great fit. Maybe they trade Brian Bryant to another team and it's not the Braves. Um, but I've never fully believed that. And the fact that most people around the Braves have said they don't necessarily think there's a great chance of it happening, uh, I guess only increases the, my skepticism that something would actually happen. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I mean, like you said, Bryant is a good player. There's no question about that. Um, but the matchup is weird and that you would imagine the Cubs are going to want some major league ready talent. Um, unless they're just in love with Austin Riley, that'd be the only other guy that might get them there, but I don't know why they would do that. Um, it's just kind of weird. The alignment there and, you know, Bowman saying that they, the Braves don't seem, don't, don't seem interested in trading for Bryant makes, uh, at least sets off some alarm bells 
for me. Uh, the Aaron Auto stuff picked up in a big way, particularly when, when Passan starts talking about it um, in public, because Passan, um, along with Rosenthal, are the two guys who are just by far the leaders in the uh, in the news game right now. Um, but that's a lot of money. <laughs> uh, Arenado is good at baseball, but he has he has some splits that are quite not. You know, he's still been a good player on the road, but not the same you know lights out ridiculous player on the road. And uh, I believe it's five more years at about thirty five million annually. It's a lot of money. Uh, sounds like yeah. Um, let's see, eight years. Oh no, no, it's five more years no, after the opt out. So it's, it's seven more years. Sorry. Yeah, it's seven years. more years because uh, he has an opt out after twenty twenty one, and then five years after that. So it's a it's a seven year deal that you'd be securing essentially, but only two of it is guaranteed to stick with you because then he can opt right. out. Right. Uh, How do you? I I, I know. I mean. I, I would be first in line to get Nolan Arenado to Atlanta. I know there's some split differences there, but I would just take the talent. And most guys do hit better at home than on the road. So, and he's also um, still. I mean, again, I mean, the splits are real, but he's he's still fairly young. Yeah. And he also, even if you just assumed that his um, road splits are going to be his overall numbers, he'd still be a very good player. Like you, you could question whether he's worth thirty five million dollars a year at the, at that number. But I think he's like a career. It's, it's it's about one twenty or so WRC plus. Yeah, on the last road. four years. I mean, he's been crazy consistent overall and and all that. Yeah, I mean, so I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, yeah, I mean, Leonardo, how do you value a guy who is a star player but could potentially at age thirty get out of his deal? If not, or if he gets hurt and you, the team is on the hook for that, then you're talking. I mean, that's thirty five million dollars for the next seven years. That is Anthony. I mean, that's Anthony Rendon money basically. Um, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, it's almost I mean, the exact be... same deal for guys who are similar age. And I think Arenado, I don't know, Rendon's probably safer than Arenado because of the lack of splits and the lack of you know, all that mm-hmm. stuff. But still, Arenado is a elite player. Like, as you said, the consistency with him, I just, I just pulled it up. Um, the last four seasons, he's been, he's been worth between five and six Fangraphs war. I mean, what yeah. are you going to say about that? Like that's that's obviously elite production. It's not Mike Trout production, but he's yeah. a great defensive player too, which helps. I don't know. He's awesome. yeah. I mean, he is. He's <laughs> he's a phenomenal player. But for the reasons, and, and it's worth listening. It was about a week ago, I think, when Passon went on the went on the podcast to talk yeah uh, about all things free agency and trade trades and all that. It was. Um, it, he to be clear, this is not like something in the pot right now that's going to happen in the next twenty four hours. And by the way, even if we even and this this, is, this makes our job really hard. Uh, Anthopolis, most of the time when stuff gets reported, it doesn't happen with the Braves. Um, and that's I think that's probably safe to say for across baseball. But how many times in the Anthopolis era has something been reported and then happened? Yeah, never. I mean, truly, other than. Um, the only one that comes to mind was the Kevin Gosman stuff, and that was one on the trade deadline, and two coming from Baltimore. Which, I mean, I swear to God, they had like reporters in the front office with them on <laughs> that day, like as they were making phone calls. But yeah, the, and the, coming out in the um, deadline, and the we, deadline, like you said, the deadline makes things uh, a lot more. There's a lot more urgency, which kind of leads to more of that reporting chatter. Like, I know there could be artificial deadlines in the off season, but for the most part. Anthopolis seems to be in no hurry. I mean, he'll, he'll pounce when necessary, but you know, none of us, they don't leak anything. I can tell you that with a certainty in Atlanta, they, they don't leak anything from the British front office. So it's a, uh, it's kind of a, uh, a vacuum, which makes our life difficult, but also I kind of love it. If you're a Braves fan, I would love this just to say that out loud. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fun. I mean, it's, and again, you know, the good news is as we sit here on December, whatever, um, 
there's still plenty of options, right? Like maybe maybe something weird happens with Arenado. The Rockies get desperate. Maybe something happens with Chris Bryant. Maybe, as you said, they really like Austin Riley or they're enamored with one of the young pitchers, like, you know, a Kyle Wright, Ian Anderson, one of those types. Um, but you have a lot of options, whereas the pitching market has really moved with Cole and Strasburg and Wheeler and, and Bumgarner. Um, most of the hitters who are believed to be either available or free agents are still out there, which is good for the Braves. It's not as if they're suddenly scared, you know, looking at the bottom of the barrel and, and scrambling. Um, again, th- I think they're going to get something done. I have a hard time believing that after making all of those moves early in the winter, they're going to roll with like Nick Markakis, Adam Duvall as their cleanup hitter. Um, <laughs> I could be wrong. But I, I just have a hard time thinking they make all of these win now. You don't pay big dollars to a bullpen to then go cheap or not be aggressive elsewhere, has been my thought. And I think that we'll ultimately see a pretty significant upgrade. Maybe not at their base. Maybe they get creative and do something in the outfield or shortstop. Um, but yeah, I, I just have a hard time believing they aren't going to do something big. Yeah, I, uh, I tend to agree with that. You know, for what it's worth, while we're here, um, there's there was some reporting that there were no uh, substantive talks about Francisco Lindor, who's apparently available and out there. Um, take from that whatever you want to take from it. Um, and there's been some moves for guys who the Braves weren't necessarily in on, like Corey Kluber got moved for like nothing. That was bizarre. Uh, what a weird trade! Super weird trade. And also, yeah, that was. I still don't understand what happened there. Honestly, like I can't imagine. That feels like one of those deals that they only talked to one team because <laughs> it was like, <laughs> if, if you go, if you yeah. go, if you went elsewhere, and we're like, this is what we have on the table. The Braves would be like, wait, we we could beat that with ease. I don't know why we wouldn't. I mean, do that. easily. Um, I wonder. I I do wonder if Kluber's medicals. They knew they were going to be a problem. Maybe. And they were negotiating like, hey, when you review this guy's medicals, there's going to be issues. So this is what we're offering. More of one of those kind of deals because. I mean, every team in baseball could have beat that deal. Yeah, it was. I mean, and I've seen some talk about you know the guys are better than you think. Like, okay, I, I'm not saying that they got nothing for Kluber, but Kluber is an all star level pitcher that they got very little for, and it was uh, it was jarring. And everyone had the same reaction. Like, wait, that's it? That can't be. That yeah. can't possibly I mean, be it. And best it case, they get a fourth outfielder who can run. And I mean that the the reliever they got, his name is escaping me, but. I mean that reliever is disgusting. Like you throw, he's like Kenley Jansen from a yeah, couple years ago. Yeah, I mean ago. he's going to be good. I think. But <laughs> best case, he is a really good reliever making minimal money for three years on what will probably be some five hundred Indian teams. Yep. So I mean that you know it. Who cares if you have a good bullpen if the team isn't good? You know. Yeah, that so, was just a very just, bizarre <laughs> transaction. And also, I mean. The one guy who the Braves were linked to, we should at least reference, is that Mass Mungarner is no longer available because he signed in your backyard, um, Arizona. Yeah. Interesting deal for the Diamondbacks. We don't have to go into all of that, but uh, I will say, as my final thought on Bumgarner, I, I would not have given him five years and $85 million. It's not it's not a ridiculous contract. It's not yeah. five and one ten like people thought he might get, but um, you know, it's one of those, it's like, uh, I wouldn't have done that, but it's not outrageous. Yeah, for sure. Like five years and 110, 120 million. Like some (laughs) national reporters were speculating last week. Like no way. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's not a bad deal for Arizona. Um, It makes more sense for them than it would would for the Braves, by the way, in my opinion. I I, I like it more for Arizona than I would for Atlanta. And and I would, and as we kind of talked about um, after Cole Hamill signed, I would much rather take a one year, $18 million gamble on Hamill's than a five year, 85 million plus a draft pick. Uh, gamble yeah. on, on on Bumgarner. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I know I 
I think I told you and Eric how I felt about it. I never said it, never said it publicly, but I, I totally agree with that. I mean, you could argue that Bumgarner is a better pitcher, but he's he's not much better than Cole Hamels. And to lock up four more years, and you know, there was somebody in my mentions the other day, and um, actually more more than one person, and you know, making good points like you know, it's not all about short term contracts. And I'm I, I'm saying, look, it's not all about that, but there is some risk associated with Bumgarner for five years, and it'd be different if he was what I would describe as solidly better than Hamels, but I, I would argue that he's not. So if you believe, as some people do, that he's still a super-duper star pitcher, then you're probably upset right now. But if you looked at the numbers from the last couple of seasons and uh, put that alongside his age and mileage, you don't probably think that. And if you just think he's a solid middle-of-rotation guy, which is kind of the way I view him, the deal is not, again, not outrageous, but not one that's like very appetizing to me. It, he, he would have helped the Braves. There's no question about that. And For I sure. guess the door was still open. It was kind of surprising to me when I was seeing the reports like, oh, they're still in on Bumgarner. Like, wait, what? They just paid $18 million for Cole Hamels. So I guess if you are someone who's a skeptic of the payroll, like the fact that they were still maybe talking to Bumgarner after that is probably encouraging for the money aspect, just being available. But um, they had to draw the line of sand somewhere. You can't, you can't spend too much money on both those guys for this year, I would imagine. So I understand yeah. it all. Yeah, and I mean, it sounds like, I mean, it's a good fit. I mean, as you said, it's a perfect fit for Bumgarner. He's familiar with the West Coast. He gets to do spring training in Arizona, where he's been his whole career. Uh, you know, Arizona's great for kind of the outdoorsy stuff that he likes to do. Um, so yeah, good for him. It's a solid payday. It, it seemed like a reasonable one, given his history. And, and I think ultimately, we're both glad the Braves didn't pay that price. Yep. Uh, there you go on that. We will leave it there for now. Um, okay, to Donaldson specifically, real quickly here, um, he is, in my estimation, with Rendon off the market, he is very clearly the number one option in terms of any free agent that's still available. He's the best player available. I know he's a little bit older than some of the guys are, but if you look at all of the major free agent ranking lists, Donaldson is the top player that is still available, and if you just talked... You know, if it was only for 2020, he would be very, very easily the top player available. Like, there is some concern about his, you know, age and, you know, maybe yeah. three, four years not from now, close. maybe not. But, yeah, like, just for this year only, he's the best player available. So, that's – it makes things interesting because you can see some bidding happening. Uh, the Rangers are, the Rangers are reportedly out on him, which I, you know, I'm not surprised by. But uh, the latest from Ken Rosenthal, who, again, along with Jeff Passan, is probably the authority on this stuff. Um, he said, I believe on Sunday, that the Braves and the Nationals are co-favorites – for Donaldson, he did mention the Twins as a possibility, so it's not it's not only a two horse race, but um, I mean, there's nothing new necessarily on Donaldson. But how do you feel about going head to head with the Nationals? That'll be fun. Well, it was kind of like the JT Real Muto stuff last winter, where it's <laughs> like if he's going to go somewhere, let's not have him go to a division rival, and then of course he goes to the Phillies, which was just you know kind of a kick in the gut. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a good situation for Donaldson. It's a good situation for his agent. Um, to have two of maybe the three best rosters in the National League are bidding for you right now, and they happen to be division rivals, um, is is a good scenario for him. Um, ultimately, I think I've, I've kind of maintained the belief all year long or all winter long that the Braves will end up getting Donaldson. I just kind of have a feeling on it. I you know I don't have a source inside Donaldson's camp to tell me that. But wait, you don't? Obviously, <laughs> I, I know. I'm sorry to say. Um, I'm not Paul Crane. Um, and, uh, there we go. Um, and I think all things equal, and this is what Rosenthal said that Donald, that JD wants to stay with the Braves. Um, will the nationals come in and use some of that world series money to get him? Uh, maybe, maybe they do. 
uh, and maybe they offer a contract that there's just no chance the Braves would touch. Uh, but ultimately, I think they get something done. Um, who knows? There's always a chance that that you mentioned the Twins. The Twins historically have never spent big money on free agents. Um, so I don't know how much I necessarily buy that. Um, yeah, the Phillies were once upon a time rumored, and I just worry a little bit because they do have some money to spend, though maybe they did kind of blow all their cash on um, on Zach Wheeler. But yeah, it's, it's it is kind of the the front storyline right now across baseball. As you said, he is clearly the best option there. And then there's a couple of decent backup options: Marcelo Zuna, Nick uh, Castellanos, and a few others. Uh, but ultimately, his it feels like he's going to make a decision sooner rather than later, and it's one that uh, will will obviously have a huge impact on what the Braves do next. Yeah, I don't think I know. There's sort of a camp that's out there that says it's like Donaldson or bust right now. I am not in that camp. You know, he is the best player. If they sign Ozuna to a reasonable contract, I think he would very much help this team. I think he's good at baseball. He is he as good as Donaldson? No, he's not. But if you can get if you can get Ozuna for half the price, I understand that. Uh, particularly if you're going to reassign some of that money elsewhere. Um, but Donaldson is the best player available. Uh, in fact, we just we just got a question on Twitter that I want to sort of morph into a different one and ask you. Um, the question was: Would you sign? Uh, Donaldson right this second to four years and one ten. If you knew it would just it would just be over. Oh no way. Okay, no so chance. I wanted to ask you. I thought you were going to say no. Uh, so I'm transitioning now to say, what is the breaking point for you? What is the absolute most money you would see the Braves pay Donaldson where you would not be Ooh. upset by it? Um, is it four hundred? Yeah, I mean it's weird. In my head, I was going to say like four and ninety-two or four and ninety-six, which is twenty-three or twenty-four million. I mean, I guess a million dollars a year if that's your breaking point. Then that's the thing like, about this kind of deal is like, all right, yeah. if you tell me you'll you'll do it for ninety-five and not a hundred, it's like, wait, that's a what? That's one point two five million dollars for a year. Like, what, right. what's the difference? Yeah. That, that's it's, parking. That's the that's the parking money that the Braves make in a home game, right? Like, right. Um, so yeah, I mean, very max, I would do four and a hundred. Um, I, I think ideally, and I think ultimately he's not going to get quite that payday. Maybe the Nats or somebody else goes nuts. I can't envision it. I'll say this. I can't imagine any kind of scenario where the Braves go upwards of four and a hundred million. Um, I think Anthopolis is really going to push for three years. Maybe they do more like three years and, you know, 80, 80 million or something like that at a higher AAV. Here's, here's one for, here's one for you. Somebody asked me offline, actually, that I forgot about till right now when you said that. Would you rather pay Donaldson three for a hundred or four for a hundred? Oh, uh, with, the, with, with the current with the current Braves roster and how it sets up with how cheap Ronnie and Ozzy are, all that stuff. There is an argument. I'm not saying this is the right answer, but there is an argument to pay the three, maybe three for ninety five. Whatever, whatever you yeah. want to say, it is yeah. like three years and a lot more annual value, or four years and a hundred million. So it's like an interesting three, question. like yeah, three ninety so like, or four for a hundred. Ooh. Um, I would choose three for 90. I would do three. I think if it was three ninety or four, a hundred, I think I would do the three and 90. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you can do that because you know that you're going to have significant money coming off next year with, with Hamels and, and, uh, your your payroll is not going to be in trouble next, next year for sure. I mean, eventually you have to pay Freddie again and he's going to get a lot of money. But, but not that much more than what he's already. That's what made. I mean. I mean it's, he's it's making like twenty. Million, he'll probably, yeah. he'll probably get around thirty, provided he's still incredible when he signs the deal. I imagine he'll get thirty plus million dollars a year. But again, it's this goes back to what we talked about at the time. Like having Ronnie yeah. and Ozzy for the money they have them on gives them so many outs that 
I, I yeah. would argue that th- three for ninety is almost better than four for hundred. I mean, it's it's all it's all semantics to some degree, but I um, you know, if you're worried about the age, why just give them more money up front and wipe it all away because they clearly are in the market now, which means they know there's so much steam now that there now is no doubt in my mind that the Braves are willing to pay him twenty five million dollars a year. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they, they, if, they, if they wouldn't still be in it if, if not. Yeah. If it was no chance they were going to do it, I think we would have heard by now that there's no way we're paying that kind yeah. of cash. And I mean, so if you if we know that now, and that means payrolls go into like 160 or more, you know, that's a good thing to know, number one. Um, but number two, I mean, the, the semantics are out there. I mean, like you said, it would probably take, I'm assuming some stuff here, which is probably not a good idea, but I think I think it's going to take a real overpay by somebody else for him not to come back. Like, it, it yes, will, it, I agree. It, it will surprise me if we get a notification on Wednesday of this week that says Donaldson signed for 490 with the Nationals. Like that will that will surprise me. You know what I mean? Because that that's a deal where I know I the Braves agree. don't. The Braves may not may not want to go four years. There, there have been a couple reports about that that they would prefer not to go four years. But obviously they wouldn't. You know, every team's going to prefer not to go four years on Donaldson because of his age. So that's not a huge surprise, but. I, I feel like the options in my head, and I could be wrong, are he signs with the Braves or he signs a deal that makes us all go, all right, I get it. You know you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think you're right. I, I would be pretty – if it's a reasonable deal, and at least you know, reasonable isn't open to interpretation. Yes, but it is. <laughs> if, it's, if it's kind of what we everybody suspects, everybody from you and I and everybody to MLB trade rumors to MLB reporters, yada, yada, yada. I would be very surprised if everybody goes, "Oh, that's a reasonable deal." If it's not the Braves, I think you're, Agreed. I think you nailed it there. Um, but I also don't think that it'll come out where he signs a deal and everyone goes, "Oh my God, that's so much money," and the Braves are the team that ended up signing him. Like, I, I, I yeah, I mean, that, and that's the and that's the question that we got. I'm not trying to pick up a person to ask it. Like, if it is four one ten, it's not going to be the Braves. I don't think. I could be wrong. Uh, I could be wrong again, but. I feel like I they're would be really surprised. I feel like there probably is a line in the sand for Anthopolis and because of and I could be wrong about that, but I feel like there probably is a number in his head that he's not gonna that he's not gonna go past, probably because of ownership or whatever, but there probably is a number that they're not gonna cross. This is not the Yankees with Garrett Cole where they're just gonna not stop until they get him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, well and you and you are talking about a thirty four year old third baseman who you know, has historically been healthy, but he did have the health care last year. I, I was, like was going to say, I'm glad you said that because people, and I saw, I think I saw you yelling about this too on Twitter. There's this notion that Donaldson's injury prone and that's just yeah. not true. Like nope. it's, it's not at all true. Uh, he, he was had like one, most one season player in baseball for five years. Yeah. yeah. He, he had one season of injury issues, which means we had to be worried about it last winter because justifiably he's just had the injury when we were talking about this last winter, but he was healthy all season this year, like to the point where we were surprised how much he played. And, he seems to be fine. I mean, I, the age is the concern. It's not the durability would be what I would say. Age is a problem sure. for guys. Yeah, getting age. older and, you know, power hitter like him, the way he uses his legs to swing. I mean, yes, though that's the concern. It's any player can get hurt. I mean, well, again, you talk about durability. I mean, Donaldson played like 150 plus for five years in a row, and then he just randomly got hurt and missed almost all of 2018. There was no way to predict that was going to happen. And then played 145 last year. So, if if injuries were predictable, then everybody would account for them, right? I mean, you just, you just don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
again, we, we were surprised. I know I was surprised. I'll speak for myself. I was surprised to see how much he played this year because he played 150, 155, by the way. Not 145, 155 yeah. this year. Yeah. That was jarring for a number of reasons because we, we thought they were going to be easy on him, and they, they were not easy on him. But um, still, he was – it's worth pointing out, Dawson was awesome last year. We talked about this a lot, yeah. but the guy was a five-win player last season. I know this is just one metric, but the Fangraphs value projection had him at $40 million in value last year. Now, you can't assume that every year moving forward. I will be the first to say that. But he was a $40 million player last season. Yeah. I, I almost I, I was surprised when I looked at maybe a month or two ago, looking back, I think right after the, the season ended. I, I was surprised. I mean, I, I, maybe you just don't appreciate greatness on a daily basis and or, or you just kind of go, oh, yeah, J.D.'s been really good this year. But then you look at the end-of-year leaderboards, and yeah, he was a top 20, top 25 player in the game, or at least position player last year in the game. Yeah, I mean, if you're a five-win player, you are an all-star, essentially. Not, you're, not, you're not always on the all-star team, but you are an all-star level player if you're worth five wins over right. the season. Right, yeah. You should be an all-star. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what you are. And whether whether, whether the, the positions break down that way or the voting or when it happens and all that stuff happens. But if you, if you were to go back at the end of the season and name the top 30 players in baseball, he would have been on the list. Um, position players anyway, like top 50 probably overall player in baseball, which is, you know, not a small thing. That means you're elite. <laughs> like, he, he was awesome this year, and the Braves just happened to have three of those guys, which is really good. But, um, yeah, Donaldson being back would be good. We this is I feel like we're, as you mentioned earlier, we're sort of in Real Muto territory to some degree. This time it feels a little bit less silly because Donaldson was actually on the team last year, and the Braves, I think, do have a bit of a leg up in this one in the way that they didn't with Real Muto. So we're going to keep yeah. talking about Donaldson, I feel like, every week until the end of time. But um, there's more of a reason this time, I think. Is well, he... and with, you know, because JD's a free agent, he obviously has a say, whereas Real Correct. Muto was just going to go wherever he, yeah, wherever was, the market. It, it was a bidding war, whereas Donaldson, Donaldson could conceivably take less money to stay in Atlanta. Is he going to do that? I don't know, but I, I can already read the report that comes out the, the next day that says Donaldson left $10 million on the table to stay in Atlanta. That wouldn't, yeah. that wouldn't stun me at all. Yeah, so he seems to like it, and uh, that's. Well, he's from there. His family. There, there is a great video. If people didn't see it, uh, if his mom, it's on. I think oh, the yeah. cool. Instagram and his Instagram for that matter. Uh, if he he told his mom if she stopped smoking for two years, he'd buy her a Maserati, and he bought her a Maserati. So, <laughs> and he did. Yes. <laughs> uh, oh, to make twenty three million dollars last year playing baseball and have God knows how much money coming your way in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it, it helps to be almost assured to make $80 million more in your career. Um, maybe even more than that. So, yeah, uh, that's just a nice. couple. Yeah, a couple uh, dollars there. <laughs> you mean you don't drive a Maserati, Brad? I Is do not. Uh, nor nor will I ever, almost surely. <laughs> I can't imagine a career path that I would go down where I'd actually make any sort of money towards that. Um, Maserati money, yeah. Yeah, that's a different kind of class that I occupy. Um We've covered some ground here, Scott. Anything that we have not touched on that you would like to touch on? Um, I feel like in the near future, we'll probably have to do a mailbag episode because we're going to be out of rumors to discuss. It's going to happen. We're moving slowly here in the offseason now after a frantic start to the offseason. There will be a week or two that we skip. You know, last week we didn't do a new podcast because we had the emergency podcast. But, you know, every week or two we'll have a new show and hopefully have some content to fill it. But anything that you want to talk about that we haven't talked about yet? Uh, the Braves signed Rafael Ortega to a minor league deal. They did after they after they released him. By the way, he was not non tendered. I got mad about this. He was not non tendered. That was not a thing. He was released. He was released. People yeah. released. He they, they they snuck him in the non tender um, press release. 
but yeah. he was not non-tendered. He was released. Just they just got him. Yeah, off the forty-man roster, which uh, again. And by know. the way, we saw that coming. Uh, we talked about it. I think at some yeah. point it was a pretty obvious move, and also bringing him back minor league deal um, is also fine. Ortega is someone that you know we saw this this year. If you get three injuries, he could be useful for you. Um, and until you have three injuries, he shouldn't be on the major league team. So yeah. he's, a four, he's he's sort of a four A player, and he's a good piece to having one at for emergencies. And um, I'm not trying to crap on him because he had the he had the one the one huge swing this year that helped the Braves. Yep. Um, but yeah, no big deal there. And I'm glad you point I'm glad you pointed that out because I forgot. But uh, that was huge news. To end the I read your on. notes. I read your podcast notes. Oh, and the other one was uh, John Heyman, who is always reliable. Chuckle. Uh, uh, reported the Braves did check in on a Hunjin Ryu. That I wanted to point that out too. Yeah, I know. Actually, a couple people have asked me about him. I think um, what I kind of gather on that is he wants to stay out in California, whether it's with the Dodgers or the Angels or the Giants, um, just with the Asian market that he has and everything like that. People are like, why wouldn't the Braves get him? I think that might be one of those kind of two to tango things. Now, maybe nobody wants to pay him out here, but I would have a hard time believing that. So, well, um, and also Heyman. I mean, that. this is now public knowledge, basically. But Ryu's a Boris client, and that means Heyman's tweeting about him. That isn't. That's not yeah. a big surprise. Yeah, um, not a surprise. I, I usually checking I, in on a player is not headline worthy. No. I usually don't like go in on that kind of stuff, but the Heyman Boris thing is just so transparent that everyone talks about it. So I will be free to talk about it on this podcast. If you don't know this, John Heyman. Um, breaks scott boris news because he leaks stuff for scott boris <laughs> that's it's like the most obvious thing in the history of the world he got to break all of the big news when um normally rosenthal and pass and basically break everything if yeah. stuff gets broken and then it just so happens that the boris clients get broken by him and not a coincidence yeah. yeah he gets like a 15 second jump like if you look at the timeline for those things i swear like boris has his assistant send a text to Heyman. Count to fifteen, and then <laughs> and then send it to Passon Rosenthal and every other national reporter there is. Yeah, uh, so there you go. I'm not trying to go in, but uh, you know, it is what it is. Okay, well, Scott, I think we've covered some ground here. We're about 45 minutes in, that's plenty of time on a December podcast. Um, again, you know, programming note stuff. I'm not sure we're going to have a podcast every single Sunday in the off season because we just won't. Um, stuff will happen, but um, Christmas is coming too. We'll probably skip one at some point during the holiday break here. But if there is news, I, I assure you that within a day or two at the most, we will have an emergency podcast as we've done every time. Like when, when Hamill signed, um, I wasn't available. So Scott and Eric went to the bat phone and recorded a podcast. So hopefully that's, Oh, and by the way, there's a new road to Atlanta that is listenable. They, the guys are back, which I really enjoyed. That sort of ho- hopefully held you guys over until this podcast, because it had been a while and Eric and the crew got back together and recorded this week. So if you missed that podcast, go back and listen to it. It was fun. I listened to it. Those guys have fun. Yeah, no, those guys, if you're interested in Braves prospects, nobody does a better job than them. So, yeah, be sure to give that a listen. And the same feed. So if you subscribe to this podcast, which you should on whichever podcast player you want, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, all those places, whichever one you choose, Road to Atlanta is in the same feed as us. So you get it all for the low, low price of $0. Just click the button, and uh, we thank you for your patronage. Scott, thank you for joining me as always, my friend. We will talk soon, I'm sure, and uh, now you can go to sleep, as I, I hope, to rest off <laughs> rest off of your, uh, your illness and all that stuff. I've got a big bowl of soup and a pillow with my name on it. There it is. That's, that's one heck of a sign-off to a podcast on Monday night. <laughs> It's also like 6 p.m. where you are right now, right? Is that, yes, not a, I live a wildlife out here. That's uh, quite a Monday evening ha- happening in the state of Arizona. As for everybody else, one more time, subscribe to the podcast. Tell a friend or two or three about the show, and we'll see you later on. <laughs>